monsters, madness, and I'm Justin here with my co-hosts Daniel, Angelique, and Nicholas. And today we have a special guest, the devil himself, Mr. Mark Pellegrino. Mark, how the hell are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you for that introduction. Oh, I'm yeah. hella fine. That's what I'm here for, sir. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mark, you've got a varied and impressive list of film and television credits. What made you decide to pursue acting in the first place, and how'd you land your first break? It was just sort of pure luck. Uh, I dropped out of college. I was working in a gas station. I saw an ad in a in a some kind of trade paper for a free modeling school. I went I went there because I had nothing else to do. Uh, they had a uh, commercial workshop class for free, which I took. The teacher thought I had some talent for some undadly reason, uh, and. Um, and uh, set me up with an agent before I knew how to act, and I started working uh, before I knew how to act. It was uh, quite evident from my first first few uh, projects. <laughs> in fact, I think I should get a Razzie for worst deaths ever in the first movie that I did. But I think Sofia Coppola just inches me out in Godfather 3, but I come close. What's that? What scene? It's my death scene in, uh, in Fatal Beauty. Uh, ah. I get sh I get shot three times with a high caliber ah. pistol, close range in the in the gut, and I have three words that I say: Denny, 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 and I say it like that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, but I had I I didn't have acting classes. I didn't know anything about acting. I didn't even know if that's what I wanted to be. So uh, I guess considering where I was, uh, I'll take it. Well, come on. It looks like all right. You were in Death Wish Four, and I don't see Charles Bronson under that listing. So that means you died in that film. So, I did not. I really? Did no, I was a witness. I was like the punk witness. Um, Holy shit! I actually, I actually don't look like a punk rocker. I look more like a cross dresser. Um, <laughs> ahead of my time. Ahead of my time. There you go. Um, but it's uh, yeah. I I, I think I, I witnessed the killing or something. So I was giving like information on the license oh, plate. Oh my like God! Oh my God! I'm sorry. I just as you could apparently, I'm obviously looking at the tail end since you mentioned. Holy shit! That's where I, I was trying to think of where it's like. I know him. What else has he been? Because I know he's like Jackie Treehorn's thugs. And it's like because your wife owes money all over town and stuff. No. <laughs> No holds fucking barred. Oh yeah. That because I, I just watched that a while back. I had to do that for my uh for my podcast. Freaking no holds barred. That's right. <laughs> I got I got nominated for a Razzie that. 
Oh man! Oh come on now! It wasn't. That's not that. Fair. I got I got literally nominated for a Razzie. That's true. Well, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad, but um, there whatever. are worse films. Yes, there are. <laughs> We've watched them. But the nominating committee for the Razzies didn't think so. And oh, you know man, who directed you that? Who? You know who directed that was Thomas Wright. Directed that film, and I didn't work with him again until season. I want to say season eight or so of Supernatural. And then we started working together again on Supernatural. Wow. But crazy, crazy. I know you're the big Lebowski on Supernatural all the time, but I got to ask, like, you were on the Cherokee Kid, man. How was it working with Sinbad? I loved Sinbad. <laughs> I, I did. I loved working on that show, too. Uh, we, we got taught how to gunsling from the best guys in the business. And uh, what was that, that gunfighter's name? Was it John Wesley Harden? There's some, some cool gunfighter who could throw a cards up in the air and shoot like right through the center of cards and when i was learning how to shoot i i put a card up there as a target and i shot one and i signed it for sinbad and sent it to him and uh three days later three days later i got one with a couple of bullet holes in it with his signature <laughs> hey i got shot i got shot in the butt so i'm very i'm very proud of that. i'm a, i'm Dropped out of college, went into a modeling class, and bam, next thing you know, you know, you get work. But I mean, where was where was this at? What was it like whenever you dropped out of college? Where were you going to college at? Because I see a lot. I mean, you got one hell of a CVS receipt of credits, and I'm seeing a lot of those, for lack of a better term, those shitty Dollar General Sunday morning action shows that would have like Lorenzo Lamas or Michael Dudikoff and, and stuff yep. that. I say that with absolute affection, mind you. <laughs> I love these shows. But, you know, shows like Cobra and Renegade and Viper and stuff like that. So, I mean, where were you around this time? Was it jumping all around everywhere? Was you in a set location kept coming your way? Yeah, by that time, I'd, I'd started to uh, hone my craft a bit. And uh, so I was getting a lot of work just jumping around, guest starring on a bunch of different shows and, and learning to translate what I was learning in the classroom into the set situation, which is nothing like a classroom. So it takes time to get comfortable and unselfconscious and bring what you're learning out into the real world because the, the movie business and the TV business mostly conspire against having a real human moment. The technology is so, so crazy and, and oftentimes you feel like you're a slave to it rather than it, you know, working around you. Uh, at least when you're, when you're young like that, unless you're a prodigy and you don't know what you're doing and you're figuring your way out so, through it. So I was, uh, you know, I was still working my way through it. Uh, back then and getting a lot of experience, thank God. I don't know that I used it as fully as I could have back then. I think I'm, I'm much more, I'm much more about, uh, much more about uh, getting, milking every experience that I can out of, out of my jobs. You know, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of really good people and I always, I always pick their brains when I'm around them um, so I can, so I can get better at what I do. Yeah, I'm Speaking of uh, picking stuff. brains, you said that uh, on the big Lebowski that you got some techniques from Jeff Bridges. I'm just curious, are there any other actors you've borrowed methods from over the years and what exactly did you borrow from Jeff Bridges? So Jeff, Jeff is like this really cool marriage of technical and, uh, and, organic you know like uh, there's some actors who don't want to know where the camera is what it's doing or how they look they can't stand to watch themselves on a monitor or an, on, a, on a screen and they don't want to see it but Jeff would ask for playback in the takes and he would study the playback and then take whatever he got from that whatever wasn't playing or was playing and then change his performance accordingly 
I don't think I ever saw Ethan or Joel talk to him about what to do. He just would watch and sort of shift his performance. Sometimes he'd con they'd confer together, um, sometimes not. But I learned that that's actually very valuable. And then, if, you know, I've, I've known Jeff Goble many, many years. He was sort of a co-founder of our, of our theater company um, way back when. And, uh, and he loved that too, loved looking at the monitors, uh, w watching playback and seeing what plays and what doesn't. Because you as the actor, you're in the moment. It might feel good to you and, and look like ass. Nothing, nothing is coming across that should, even though it feels like. And so I started using playback heavily. Whenever I could, I'd, I'd, I'd ask the camera guy to play it back for me and I'd study it and see if it worked or not. And if it didn't, I'd make adjustments and, and uh, go accordingly. So that's what I learned from, from Jeff. Uh, from Jeff, both Jeffs, actually. <laughs> and you know what else I learned from, from Jeff Goldblum is that looping, you know, the ADR thing that you do after the show is over when you replace dialogue. I used to hate that. It used to feel so artificial. But, uh, but then I, from him, he's like, no, 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 you can, you can make things better. And no, it's, it's, you can, it's great. It's great. Do it, do it. Um, and so I started making uh, ADR a fun experience. I realized that it was a different type of work and not, not necessarily the organic acting that we do. And I became very, very good at it. In fact, one of the scene where Sinbad shoots me in the ass in, uh, in Cherokee Kid is entirely looped. And I defy you uh, to, to look at it and see if it looks looped. It oh, doesn't. Okay. That's, kind of, that's kind of our unofficial motto, you know, we'll fix it in poop. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. That's everyone's yep. credo, especially mine. <laughs> Fortunately, there are some things you cannot fix in post. Oh, yeah, True. right. Uh, so you worked on uh, Lethal Weapon 3 with Mel Gibson. Now, were you shocked? I was. I was on that. Oh, man, I, I'm glad. So you were shocked. Were you shocked when uh, Martin Riggs gave you what you referred to as the most intelligent analysis of Hamlet you've ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> I was. Well, was I? I mean, yeah, I guess I hadn't really heard him. I guess I hadn't really heard him talk up to that point other than, you know, <laughs> the, the stuff that he did in film. So, uh yeah, it was it was sort of arresting to hear this this guy talk about Hamlet in such an articulate way, and to be so cool too. I mean, I know he's uh, is he persona non grata in Hollywood now for his anti-Semitism and his ins insanity. I don't know. To um, say Hollywood, it doesn't matter. He, he, might, he, he might be, but he's uh, he's really really kind and generous to me. I mean. He's, he was probably the biggest star in the world at the time. I had one word in that whole movie, a big fight scene with him, but one word in that whole movie. And, you know, here he is making me a cappuccino and talking with me about, uh, about Hamlet. I mean, that's pretty doggone down to earth, and that's, that's pretty rare, you know, in our world. I, I forget what the word was. I think the word was, some, the word was somebody's name. Whoever came in and shot me in, in that one. <laughs> I say his name before he shoots me, and that was it. You said that he, uh, you learned how to nav navigate around a big-time director from Mel Gibson. So what did you uh, learn on that set in that process? Oh, well, I mean, Dick Donner was the director on that film. Of course, I think he's a legendary director, and he's just a lot of fun. You know, his, his direction, <laughs> here was his direction right before we rolled the camera. Me and Mel are in the, in the armored car, and they're like, roll camera and sound, and they're rolling. And he's like, Get it up, 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 and action. It was about all the direction I heard from Dick Donner. Um, <laughs> no, Mel, Mel told me some horror stories about working around Franco Zeffirelli, and I've never had 
that kind of experience, thank God. Somehow he was able to bring home a performance in Hamlet that was very, very good, considering he had a director that you know, was putting a camera on him that had a depth of focus. He couldn't really move. He couldn't, you know, moving an inch here or an inch there uh, out of the light, he'd become blurry. So uh, I can't imagine having to deal with that, with that. So I wouldn't know how to navigate that even to this day, other than playing a lot and say, this is crazy. Just (laughs) stop. Um, But if it's, uh, you know, I'd be curious to know how I'd work with somebody like Fincher, who does 50 takes, oh, 50 yeah. takes. You know, you're, if you're doing an emotional scene, I get the sense that he does it so much that you're so tired, you don't act, you're not even thinking about acting anymore. And that's probably where the most organic stuff happens. But it's, it just feels very daunting. What um, do you prefer for movie? I mean, there's almost no difference between the two now. I feel like uh, at one time, film, you had more, you had a lot more time with, uh, the material because you were doing maybe two pages a day and TV you're shooting seven, eight pages a day. Uh, and if it, and if it works on the camera, they're going to take it. So if you don't want that take, you got to mess something up real good so that they won't take it. Um, huh. And, and film would be a little bit more circumspect. So, uh, but now they all kind of, they all kind of are filming and cinematic. And um, I remember when we did Lost, we did Lost, we were shooting with two film crews at the same time and doing a scene a day. We were doing it very filmically. So, wow. Yeah. What was your experience like on that? On now, Lost? It, yeah. If, if you, I mean, I know that's a bit of a really vague question, but I mean, fond memories or not. And if you can, I've got a, I know Justin has not seen it at least all the way through. So if we could potentially avoid as many spoilers as possible just for his sake. But I know considering who you are, it's going to be a little difficult. Yeah, I'm just curious. So I can't can't say everybody dies? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. (laughs) Spoiler. Sorry, guys. I just slipped out. Whoa. Um, (laughs) That was great. so, So, I mean, I loved working on that. I mean, how can you not like working in Hawaii? Actually, I do know an actor who doesn't like working in Hawaii. He gets island fever and he feels claustrophobic, which is crazy because it's awesome. So my experience there was like everybody was really, really down to earth there. I, I'm, I've been fortunate. I have one actor, I think, that was difficult for me to work with. And he was nice to me, but he was just sort of actually two actors. Um, they were both very nice to me, but I, they just had issues. Um, everybody else has been really cool. And, and, the, and the whole cast, which I eventually worked with the whole cast on that show, were, were really cool. So um, no complaints. I mean, the only, the only problem I had was I decided to be barefoot as Jacob instead of wearing these rope sandals that they had created. And uh, that was before I had gone out to the beach to shoot. And the beach that they shot at had thistles and thorns underneath the, the sand. And I had to do a number of scenes uh, on in rivers, walking through rivers with rocks, you know, crazy rocks there, uh, none of which uh, were very comfortable in my bare feet. So <laughs> that was the only drag of, about shooting the show. So the thorny uh, beaches, that was all Hawaii. Thor- thorny, thorny beaches, rocky, rocky rivers, um, but great weather, uh, cool people, and fun times. When it comes to Supernatural, have you ever been involved with a cast that's as close off the set and active with their fan base as that? And you guys just seem like to genuinely enjoy each other's company. Yeah, we do. No, I haven't really. I, I mean, I've been close to other casts. Like being human, I'm pretty close to the cast there still. Uh, me and Sam Witwer are, are very good friends. But nothing like the community of Supernatural where, where we've sort of formed a family and a, 
a charitable unit and we all sort of rely on each other uh, for support. Now, granted, as Lucifer and as a rather controversial figure in life, I also get the shit part of the family. Like all families are composed of great people and fucked up people. And uh, I get the fucked up people coming at me too. So uh, it, 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 hasn't been, it hasn't been a walk in the park, but it sure makes the, the really cool people in the family worthwhile because they, they really step up and support you when the other people are, are going off their nut. So you've had a couple of crazies at some cons come up to you? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, I did. Yes. Should I talk about one? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Okay, I don't know where this came from. So there's a lot of mythology around about me on social media, <laughs> none, none of which are true, but the, the people who believe them believe them with all of their heart. They, they believe them even when they're presented with evidence to the contrary. They continue to believe. It's like, it's like they're more faithful to these narratives than Christians are to Christ. And so one person, I was sitting there signing an autograph, and all of a sudden I hear this angry person say, trans people exist, you know. <laughs> and I, I looked up and I was like, I do know that. Why are you telling me this? Because you think they don't exist. I've never said that in my life. I don't know where you're getting this, but... <laughs> Thanks for the warning. I didn't know how to respond to it. And then somebody came to my autograph table with a trans person and said, just because here you deny that the people exist, here is a trans person for you to see. I said, I don't know where you're getting this. I've never denied this in my life. Where, where is this narrative coming from? Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Mark. I don't know. I didn't, you know. And so that was about the weirdest, you know, they've also threatened to jump me in, uh, in, um, in the parking lot of one of the, of one of the cons. They were like sending around social media to jump me in the parking lot in Vancouver. <laughs> and so and so I tweeted back, I'll be there. Let me know which parking lot you'll be at and I will meet you. Who um, wants to that, fight the devil? That ended. No. Wow. wow. So isn't, that isn't that crazy? I don't I don't yeah. know. I, I, I mean, the, the world is sort of nuts at the moment, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sort of in the thick of it because I'm trying to fight the nuttiness, and uh, that puts me on the on the side, the wrong side of some very vocal, angry, fucked up human beings who are sort of nihilistic and like breaking things, and they're trying they're trying to break me and people who like me, uh, and it's really gross. I say to them, "Hey guys, build something, create something," you know, but I don't think they want to do that. Well said. So, so what's your opinion on uh, the longevity of Supernatural? How, how has it been able to enjoy the success for so long when other shows fizzle out or overstay their welcome? You know, one, I think because of the, the relationship with the fans. Two, I think, you know, I think we're hungry for, for heroes. I think we're hungry for people like Dean Winchester who, say, who see things as they are, cut straight through the bullshit, and get it done. Men of action who don't bullshit around, and they don't even listen to God. They listen to their minds, their 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 blood loyalties, and and they do what's right, uh, even when the universe is telling them to do what's wrong. And so I think that's a pretty inspiring thing, right? I think we all need that nowadays. And what we're getting is a steady diet of good TV with complicated plots and complicated heroes, but they're sort of anti-heroish and they're sort of, everybody's a jerk and you really want to invest in these people. I don't know. Um, but you, you, you can really get behind, you know, the Winchesters, right? I mean, they're just two normal guys saving the world. I don't know. And that's pretty awesome. I think Agreed. people need that. I, I think people need to see that heroism is in all of us. These two guys that drive a Chevy Impala around the country, uh, um, it can be heroic too. And so can you. I don't know. That's my take. Good take.
the extraordinary and the ordinary. That's it. Yeah. More of that. <laughs> what was the auditioning process like for Lucifer? Did you just get walk in and get the job? <laughs> yeah, they looked at him. Ooh, they look at they looked at me. Yeah, he looks like the <laughs> devil. Yeah, sign him up. Uh, no, I actually didn't have to audition for that part. Um, I got a call from Jeremy Carver, who was the executive producer at the time. They asked me if I wanted to play the devil. I said, yeah, shit, yeah, I'll play the devil. Um, and we thought it was just going to be a one-season thing. You know? But, you know, uh, I think Supernatural is supposed to end after season five. The devil brings on the apocalypse, and then bang, you know, it, it all comes to an end. But it didn't. The boys won. And so uh, I, was, I was very grateful not to have to audition for that part. When it comes to justifying the devil's methods in the show, you make a compelling case. So can you just give us a little, a little bit of your argument on that? <laughs> it's all bullshit! <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I actually do believe this. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, no, I think, I think it's a revenge. You know, I think it's a, a, someone who's experienced an extreme injustice and is trying to get revenge, albeit very badly, uh, not effective, but, but still trying to do it. Um, and I wish they sort of, I don't know, I wish, I do wish Lucifer in the show was less of an adolescent and more of, and more of a, you know, what he was in season five. In season five, he was sort of a scary, a scary dude with a plan. And there was, there was a, there was gravitas there and there was a depth to him. He wasn't, he wasn't so much of a blowhard, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't so grandiose. He just knew what he was, knew what he wanted to do, and nothing was going to stop him. And that's kind of cool. That's a cool villain. That's a cool villain. And so for me, the devil is, uh, and the devil might even be this to many Christians. Um, you know, the devil's the first, the first uh, rebel, the first, the first dude to say no to to an authority. And um, and um, and I think, and and the the sort of bearer of uh, our human moral sense, right? The one who tempted us into being who what we are, moral moral pe beings with the capacity to be moral. Um, we wouldn't be what we are without Luke. So uh, according to biblical legend and and so i think he's he's a fundamental co-creator of humanity he's sort of he's sort of the prometheus of of the biblical of the biblical world you know um and got a bad rap and, and my lucifer in the story is always saying bad pr i got bad and then he goes on to prove how, that the pr was really actually true but no i think i think he did get bad pr i think i think rebelling against arbitrary authority is great i think we should we should do it. It's uh, quintessentially Luciferian and quintessentially American. Here, here. So, so what kind of? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Nick. You haven't said anything. So, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of uh, like research or, or or influences did you take into playing that character? I mean, for me, the stories in Supernatural are all about dysfunctional families and and orphans and kids who grew up without without fathers and mothers having to deal with you know these terrible realities and that's what it was for lucifer a revenge story about a kid who'd been abandoned by his father and against his father unfortunately i understand that from my own life <laughs> i'm sorry to say and so i brought my own sense it's like to be abandoned and dignity and sense of aloneness and anger that that fills you with and I let that propel me. I also, you know, I, for, for many years, I was a Bible study twice a week and went to church every Sunday. And I went to a Catholic school and had religion for four years. And I was, I was quite immersed in the religion. And I, I read the, uh, the book of Enoch for the, for the, um, 
for the show. Didn't really help me much, but it was interesting. And so I knew the mythology, but I felt like the mythology was incidental to the family dynamics that were going on in the show. You touched on it a little bit, and I'm with you. I'm all for the season five badass Lucifer. Are you satisfied with how your character wrapped up there? In season five? Not in season five in general. Later. I mean, I feel like what happened was um, Lucifer... Was, in, was a hallucination in Sam's head for a while, and that was funny and really fun. It was impish and sort of boyish, you know, and, and people responded to that, I think. And so that became the Lucifer of, of later years. I was hoping for a Lucifer redemption story, to be honest with you. I was hoping for Lucifer to, I don't know, come full circle in the sense that he, he, he made him, makes amends with, with dad and... Uh, and the human race and goes off to forge his own creative trail with his son and to be a better dad. I was hoping that was going to be the case, but I guess there's no team free will for Lucifer. So he just, he just, um, he went down the easy path. A lot of the guys directed episodes on the show. I think Misha, Jared Jensen and Richard, uh, if I'm not mistaken, directed the yeah. two episodes too. Was that not on the table for you? Never for me. I don't know how they got those deals. Mm, interesting. Um, I think I think mostly Richard had switched to directing anyway, and he went through that Warner Brothers uh, directing. They have like a directing program at Warner Brothers, and he went through that and started cutting his teeth on the show. Um, it's great learning how to direct on a TV show because you got DPs who know their shit, you got you got producers their shit, and you're going to be caught, you know. So you can you can fall into expert hands. It's not like you're winging it on a feature film. And it's, you know, you're out on your own. So it's a really great place to cut your teeth. And so I think Richard started directing there. I may be mistaken, but, um, and, you know, Jensen and Misha probably have it in their contract. I've been there for so long. I guess there's a, a point at which you can say, I'd like to direct at least two episodes a season. And they throw that into your contract, which is nice. What would uh, Mark Pellegrino's Supernatural episode look like? <laughs> oh, boy. I would probably be a, an out-of-the-box episode like Baby or The French Mistake, you know, or uh, Yellow Fever, hopefully high on comedy and, and, uh, and funny and raw. I'd go that way. Or Ghost Pacers. Do you guys, do you guys know oh, Ghost Oh, yeah, Pacers? yeah, yeah. I'm down with yeah. that. So, something like that. You know, something out-of-the-box like that. My personal favorite episode is Hammer of the Gods. So, Oh, you, yeah? Yeah. Do you have a favorite Lucifer moment yourself? Is that it? You know what? My favorite Lucifer moments are season five. So one of them is the face-off with Misha when I have him in the circle of fire. I thought that was really co a cool reveal. Misha looks like a gunfighter. We're like two gunfighters squaring off. I thought it was really awesome. And then when, I'm, when I've killed that whole town and I'm burying the women and children and Sam and Dean come up on me and it's the scene where Sam shoots me with the Colt and, and finds out that it doesn't kill Lucifer. Um, that whole scene... I thought was really understated and really fun because I'm, I'm really saying horrible things. I've just murdered an entire town of human beings. And I'm like, yeah, this sort of sucks. It's gross. Sorry about that. But it's got to it's gotta go this way. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. When I see that um, played back, it gives me the chills a little bit. Since you played the man himself, uh, what are some of your favorite depictions of Lucifer other than your own? Oh, um, I like Viggo Morgensen. I like Viggo Morgensen's uh, Al Pacino's. What's that? God dang it! He was in the movie with me. He's a great character actor. He was in. Uh, he was in the 
Big Lebowski. He was one of the nihilists and constant. He played the devil. In yes, Constantine. yes, the guy from Fargo. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. Remember Peter Stromare. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, bud. Um, he's really, <laughs> Sorry. He's, he's, he's really good. <laughs> Come on the show. We'll make it up to you. <laughs> I hate forgetting a good actor's name. Yeah, he was good too. Real sort of, and you know, I like that. And Constantine was a good movie too. Man, I really like that movie. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, Al Pacino, Vigo. Am I forgetting somebody? I'm forgetting a bunch of people. I must be. Oh, well, De Niro. Did you like De Niro and Angel Heart? Oh, hell yes. yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, Angel Heart was a crazy. I thought Mickey Rourke was going to be the next Marlon Brando. It was such an awesome movie. And yeah, those. I, I love those guys. You know, I mean, Lucifer is is like Hamlet, you know, he's, he's a, a, a am amazing character and every actor puts unique signature on it and it becomes his own, even though it's sort of a timeless archetypal character. So that's what's fun about playing. And I've played Hamlet too, so it was, uh, it was fun doing both those archetypal characters. There's a lot of crossover between you guys and the X-Files. Uh, I'm trying to, I can't, his, Stephen Williams was on the X-Files, of course. There's a few other you guys, that, and you were on the X-Files. So what was your time like? On, I know you're only there for one episode, but still, it's the X-Files. You're on the X-Files. Yeah, it was cool. And I got tongue to death. It's the first time I ever died by tongue. Even Not in life, but, uh, you know, in, in the movies. So, uh, uh, yeah, that was really cool. And um, just having a senior moment. Oh, my God. He was the director on the episode, and he is uh, and was a producer on, um, on Supernatural, but he passed away about 10 years ago. I'm going to remember his name after the show, and I should shoot myself for this. Anyway, I was, I was working with him, <laughs> and um, he, he works everything out in advance. He tells you where to go, where to walk, where to move in the scene, and you sort of have to do it his way. And, he, and it was my first day on the set, and he told me, okay, Mark, you're going to go here, you're going to go here. And then you're going to go here. All right, you got that? And I looked around and I said, yeah, wouldn't it make more sense if I went over there first and then I did this and then ended up here? He looks around and he's like, yep, you're right, but we got 34 setups to do today and you got to do it my way. <laughs> and, and that was my experience with X-Files. But X-Files was... How much freedom did you have as Lucifer? I know, obviously, the arc didn't go quite the way you wanted, but just on screen with the character in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they let me do whatever I want. So, you know, when there's no consequences, and that's sort of what Lucifer's theme theme is, I think, especially for the last few seasons, it's really fun. I mean, I'm not a nihilist in life, but it's fun acting like one in front of the camera because nothing you do is wrong. Nothing. Uh, that's the beauty of narcissism, right? Everything you do as a narcissist is right. And so, um, yeah, it was fun to do that. And they let me just play, just let me play and have fun with moments. No, no take was ever really the same. And, uh, and they were really, really receptive. And it's, it's funny, one of the camera operators, Brad, uh, he was sort of my barometer for whether a take was good because he'd take it, he'd do it, he'd take it, and then after a cut, he'd go like this. And so I knew, okay, let's let's take that one. That's good. <laughs> it was, yeah, I love being I love being free. If I can be free at, on set, then uh, to me, that's that's the ultimate goal. So from Lucifer, you also were on Dexter playing worst husband ever. How did you tap into such a deep pool of scumbaggery? Um, I don't have to tap into that at all. I am a deep pool of scumbaggery. I, once again, you know, you never look at yourself as the character, as the bad guy. It's, it's the enemy or the person you're fighting against. It's the bad guy. And Paul was just trying to reunite with his family and do all the right things. He wanted to be the husband and the father. He wanted to be the provider. He'd screwed up before and he wanted all that back. And here's this 
jerk off in the middle of it getting in the way and uh it was about you know you know crossing dicks with uh with dexter all the time and trying to win um, because it's my kids and my wife on and uh you know i let the people decide for themselves whether or not what i'm doing is appropriate or inappropriate you know, the script the script will take me there and i just have to follow along I was gonna say you had a role in uh, in Mulholland Drive. Did you find working with David Lynch any more uh, interesting than working with any other director? <laughs> I like David Lynch. I thought he was cool. He's cool because he's a real artist and he's not pretentious. You know, some artists wear their wear the fact that they're artists on a sleeve. So, artist in L.A. is the most overused word on the planet, and almost everybody who claims to be an artist is absolutely not an artist. And um, and uh, I would never hear that word come out of David Lynch's mouth, but he exuded it just in his being, in his simplicity, in his honesty, in his weirdness. His, his, his weirdness isn't a put on. It's not a game. It's just he's just just an interesting cat. And um, yeah, I mean, when we originally shot that, that was supposed to be a television series. And the script, the original script was very linear. And then uh, it got reviewed as the best new TV show you'll never see because it was too expensive for ABC to, to do. So they, uh, I guess they dropped it. David Lynch picked it up and cut half of it and made it into like a Hollywood nightmare um, or whatever it is. I don't even know what it's about anymore, <laughs> but at least I didn't when I saw it, but it seems like a nightmare. So I'm, a guess, I'm guessing that's what it is. And uh, like, you know, I guess the girl loses her identity and gets caught up in, the, I don't know what it is. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think most people don't really know what the plot is. That's sort of a, a thing with that film. <laughs> yeah, but people love that. They like not knowing what it means. I've had people come up to oh, the yeah. street and they go, they go, oh my God, Mulholland Drive. Jeff Goldblum's obsessed with that movie. <laughs> he loves that movie. And he'll sit and talk, he, he would sit and talk with me about the plot. You know, yeah, is this what it means? This is what it means. I, I figured this out. And uh, and I actually realized, hey, maybe that's what art is. You know, you leave some loose ends and it gets people and the people never lose their relationship with it. They keep sorting it out and sorting it out like a bad relationship just never goes away. And you keep rerunning it in your head, trying to figure out what's wrong and why. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, um, <laughs> I'd say, I mean, so, so for me, I, I discovered what art was uh, in, in movies through that crazy film because because people are obsessed with it to this day you mentioned recently that you were making your way through the 1001 movies to watch before you die list and you felt yeah. some of them didn't belong so can you share which ones <laughs> oh oh man god i'd have to go through my list yeah there's a few of them in the 80s that don't belong um 80s was 80 was it me or is 80s not only a bad fashion decade but not <laughs> Not the best for film. Is it Wrong just podcast to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what well, what genre you're I, talking. I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, not not horror or anything like that or monsters or anything like that. I mean, I mean, just in general, filmically. Uh, what what I'm trying to think of. I have to think of the movies that were not that great that I've just watched. But none of the ones from none of the ones from the 80s have quite worked for me yet. Uh, but I have to go back and look at my list to remember, you know, you try to forget that shit. When you see something bad, you, you try to <laughs> remove it from your consciousness. Oh, um, was Dead Ringers in the 80s? I wasn't a fan of Dead Ringers. I got to say. Cronenberg? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Am hmm. I crazy? That is kind of crazy. I am a huge horror guy, too, and I was not um i'll think of the other ones as 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 the as the nightmare bubbles up from my subconscious <laughs> so you sing 
No, I will. Really. No, what? You think? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. You're enthusiastic. See, enthusiasm goes a long way. So, <laughs> so is that just a like a, a con karaoke thing, or is that you know you just cut loose and, and belt out a tune or two? Oh, was that the Rocky Horror thing that you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a huge fan of Rocky Horror. If I was going to do something at karaoke, it would be something like that. And I think I might have been drunk at the time that I did it, so I did it. Um, I used to sing in a band way back when, but I, I never had confidence in my voice. And you have to have confidence in your voice if you want to be the front man in a band. So Very I sort true. of dropped I sort of dropped out of it, um, but uh, I love uh, Frank. I would like to play Frankenfurter, actually. I, don't, I, I might be too old at this point, um, but I would love to do that play. Supernatural is <laughs> about to end, Mark. I mean, I know you can't tell us what's going to happen, but do you know what's going to happen? Do I do. Know? You do? I do. Normally, I lie when I'm telling you guys the truth. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, normally, <laughs> nor normally I lie. Normally, I tell fans uh, all the wrong things that are going to happen, and I get them all ginned up about something, and then it doesn't happen. But I actually do know how this, and I think people are going to be pretty, uh, pretty overwhelmed. Oh, overwhelmed? Yeah. Okay. Unhappy, perhaps? Mm, but like maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think there's going to be lots of, but I don't know if those will be tears of relief, sadness, joy, <laughs> maybe a mixture of all. I mean, yeah, 15 years is going to be rough regardless of how it is. What about for you? Yeah. Do you think you're going to miss that, miss, miss the show? I will. I didn't think, you know, it was like one of those things where you think, you know, everything in the world is going to end. And I, I thought, I began to think everything except Supernatural. I thought that was going to keep going for forever and ever and ever and ever. Even after the guys were, were no longer with us, it was going to be like Weekend at Bernie's. They were just going to prop up their their corpses and pantomime them through scenes but uh yeah it is ending like everything else so i'm, I'm pretty sad about it to be honest i don't i don't I, I can't think i can't believe that it's over there's something in me that thinks something down the line might pop up with those guys who knows though there's almost too much potential there for a spinoff with all the characters and lore you know well they've tried to do that already they've tried it twice haven't they they tried oh. it with wayward wayward uh wayward, wayward daughters, sisters right or wayward sisters yeah. Wayward Sisters of Dark, and then they tried it before that with some, like, spinoff in Chicago. Yeah, I don't think either of them actually, they were, those were, uh, I think they were trying to do uh, kind of branches. They would have an episode during the season, and that would eventually lead to maybe yeah. the show, but you never really go. I thought the Wayward Sisters thing would, you know, because the, the girls are very popular, and um, and they're funny and good, so... Maybe maybe that will revisit. Yeah, I think they way. would like to get you know get the guys out of the way, give them the spotlight, you know, get Jared and Jensen out the door. Yeah, for for Walker, Texas Ranger, and the boys. Oh yeah, he's already landed that. Uh, Kripke's on uh, the boys, isn't that's Kripke? Yeah, yeah, he is. I have not watched the. Boys. I haven't. Oh, that's cool. I, I was going to read the. Com I was going to get the comics uh, about a year ago, and I just never did. I heard that comics are great. The comics yeah. are really nice. It's cool. I'm going to check them out. I'm going to check them out. Fiendish foodie. Here at, at Monsters, Medicine, Magic, and nice. I ask this of every guest, mm. what is your go-to movie snack? Oh, man. Okay. Um, my go-to, well, of course, my go-to movie snack is, is popcorn. Mm -hmm. um, I know I hate to be boring, but uh, lately I've been doing coconut milk chocolate, dark chocolate ice cream with blueberries. That's been my movie snack lately. That sounds that sounds excellent. That's fucking <laughs> sick. As, Ooh, some, yeah, as someone who hasn't had a carb in going on four months now. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, 
Hey, we didn't talk horror movies, though. Do you guys have any favorites coming out soon? Are there any favorites out there right now before There's we part ways? If you have not seen The Wretched, that's a great one to come yeah. out this year. The Wretched? Yep. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, top box office in uh, the drive-in when the whole pandemic started. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I would check that out. It was by the Pierce Brothers. Okay. I'll check that out. I'll, I'll look at it tonight because I'm in the mood for a little horror tonight. Do that. Yeah. And then you can watch our interview with the Pierce Brothers right after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, here's one thing I do want to say. I don't care about the British guy. I don't care about Tom Ellis. You're always Lucifer. I'm not watching that show. That's that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I like your taste. <laughs> all right and uh, that's been mark pellegrino the devil himself and we're going to kick him out of here now yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey. see you guys mark appreciate thanks you, man, man. Look, thanks, thank, you. thank you so thanks, much guys. thank you man. thank you Have a good one. you too Madness and magic.